Today's episode is brought to you by the Frankenmuth Convention and Visitors Bureau. Come plan your vacation at frankenmuth.org. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Call of Leadership podcast, where we interview people from our Michigan community who answered the call of leadership. We'll hear their powerful stories and get their advice so that we can be better leaders for ourselves, our family, and our community. I am your host, Cliff Duvenois, and today's guest has a very long and distinguished career in the field of education where she retired from, but she's also served on the Frankenmuth Rotary Club as one of only two women presidents. She also serves on the Special Kids in Action organization. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the mayor of the city of Frankenmuth, Mayor Marianne Ackerman. Mayor Ackerman, how are you? I'm great, Cliff. It's a pleasure to be visiting with you this morning, and I hope that you are well during this COVID-19 crisis, and I, I look forward to chatting with you. I'm really looking forward to this. I was very happy when when we established contact and you said you'd agree to be on the podcast because I know there's there's a lot of people out there that that would definitely like to learn more about what it is and what what Frankenmuth is doing. So thank you for taking the time for us today. Really My do pleasure. appreciate it. My pleasure. So tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up. Well, I grew up in a little uh, farm community uh, called Reese, Michigan. I am one of six children, the oldest of six. My parents were uh, farmers, and then later on, they transitioned to recreational vehicle sales. So uh, they had a a small uh, snowmobile camper boating business in the backyard out on on the farm. So it was uh, through them that I learned all about work because that uh, business was right in our backyard and we were always open. As as children, we all attended St. Elizabeth Catholic School through grade eight. And then following that, we transitioned to Reese High School where we finished our school career. And, and church was a big part of our upbringing. Reese was a pretty great community to, to, to grow up in. You mentioned something before about farming, and they actually started a business afterwards. So it's probably safe to say that you were probably pretty involved with helping out with the family business growing up. Yes, absolutely. I remember as a a young child being involved in the farming industry, we were responsible for weeding the, the beans and the sugar beets, and we were responsible for providing meals for those that were working on the farm. And then later on, as my mom and dad began to open their recreational vehicle business, I would be responsible for helping in the house and with all the kids. And I would do some running for them. For example, the campers and boats uh, came from Goshen, Indiana. And so when I turned 16, one of my jobs would be to drive to Goshen, Indiana and, and pick up and bring home boats and campers. And so... I was actively involved uh, the whole time. When you graduated from high school, where did you go to college? 
I'm part of the Delta difference. I chose to go to Delta College because I knew that I was responsible for paying for my own education. And Delta was very affordable. Not only a a great education, but I could work and pay for my own education. And following my two years at Delta, I had been able to accumulate enough money, enough savings that I was able to also then pay for my education at Michigan State University. You decided to pursue education as a major. Why is that? That's a that's an interesting question. I appreciate you asking that. One of my jobs was to work in the Reese Summer Migrant Program. And at that time, many of the farmers in the surrounding area would hire migrant workers to come in and care for the crops during the summer. And so there was a federal program that would allow for the children to come to the school and They would, of course, receive meals, but also education. Unfortunately, as the migrant children would travel from location to location following the different pickings of the crops, they would be taken out of school a lot. So they tended to be uh, behind in their their studies. And so we offered a a full-day program. We would open at 7 o'clock in the morning and close at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, We would provide them with three meals a day, and we would continually be working on brushing up their skills, their academic skills. We would go on field trips, a lot of fun events as well. And I worked in the summer migrant program for many years, primarily in the preschool program. And then later on, as I earned my degree in education, I served as the director of that preschool program. So it was a a great introduction to not only the teaching field, but the importance of making sure that uh, we care for all of our children, especially those who may not be as fortunate as, as others. You decided to go even further with getting a degree in education because you you got your bachelor's, but then you turned around and you went after your master's in school administration. Why did you decide to pursue that? So one of the things that I found once I had earned my, my teaching degree was teaching jobs were few and far between. The economy struggled and teachers were being laid off. And I knew that If I were to earn a degree in, let's say, a master's degree in reading or or mathematics, the likelihood of finding a job would even be more difficult because oftentimes with a a master's degree, for example, your salary would be a, a little bit higher. So I decided that I needed to pursue a different opportunity and have that kind of as a backup plan in the event that I wasn't able to find a teaching job, or perhaps if I were to have a teaching job and be laid off, I might be able to pursue a different avenue in education. And fortunately for me, it worked out. That it certainly did. And you started off your teaching career in Millington, is that correct? I sure did. I I knew very little about Millington. I, I knew that 
Millington had a good football team. Reese would play Millington occasionally for football and basketball. And that was about all I knew about Millington. But as I mentioned, it was very difficult to find teaching jobs. The Millington school system offered me a job as a substitute teacher. About six or seven weeks into my first substitute teaching assignment, there was a position that opened up in fifth grade, and they offered it to me, and And I spent another 10, 11 years then at Millington teaching every grade from pre-first grade all the way through sixth grade. It was a, a wonderful experience, and in my final year at Millington, I served as the principal at Glaze Elementary School. Your career spans from being a teacher to serving as a principal and then finally as a superintendent. Was it always your goal to be a superintendent of a school district? No, no, heavens no, heavens no. So following my time in Millington, I came to Frankenmuth as the principal at List Elementary School. And I worked with a wonderful mentor, Mike Murphy. He was the superintendent of the Frankenmuth School District. Annually, we would sit down for our evaluation talk. And following the evaluation, he would always turn the papers over. And then he would say, so, so what are your plans for the future? And and I would say, well, I'm not really sure. And, and then he would follow with, have you considered superintendency? And initially, when he first asked that question, I was, I was surprised because I certainly didn't see myself as being superintendent material. But he continued to work with me and mentor me. And, and then down the road, I, I was offered the position as superintendent. So I was really grateful for that encouragement that the encouragement in knowing that he saw the leadership potential in me and and was willing to give me that opportunity. I've, I've had several guests on the podcast who have talked about how somebody has seen something in them that they didn't see themselves. I'd like to go back and talk a little bit further about something that you mentioned where you said to yourself that you didn't think that you had the material to be a superintendent. Why is that? Why did you think that way? Perhaps initially it was because I was a female. And as I watched those individuals who were leading our schools, primarily they, they were men. I don't, I don't think I had the confidence in myself. I think that's one thing that I've learned in my role now as mentoring future leaders is we as leaders, when we see other individuals who have that potential, it is our obligation to point that out to those people and say, hey, have you ever thought about leadership? I think you've got this and this and this set of skills, and I think that you would be a great leader. And so I really have enjoyed my role, and I'll talk about that later, as being one who can help fuel that, that little spark and, and grow leaders. And I think especially in the world of education, great teachers need to be in the position of being in, in the position of leadership. They, they know what's happening in the classrooms. They've lived it. And I believe that when you've had an opportunity to live the experience, it helps you in, in your leadership um, experience. 
So speaking of leadership, and I do want to kind of circle back to that in a little bit, but in the meantime, you and your family moved to Frankenmuth in 1989. Why did you pick Frankenmuth? Yeah, we did. So when I also, when I turned 16, in addition to driving to Goshen to pick up boats and campers, I held my first waitress job at the Franken House. And the Franken House was a new restaurant that uh, was built in Frankenmuth, or actually it was in a building that was renovated. And at 16, I came over and filled out an application and, and got that job. And I loved my experiencing or experience of waiting table in Frankenmuth. I, I love the, the friendliness of the people. I love that a guy named Wally Bronner would come into the restaurant and he would bring some of his clients in for coffee and he would introduce me by name to his clients. And that was such a lesson to me that it doesn't matter who we are, how we treat others is just such an important thing. And so everything I learned about my experience or while I was uh, waiting table here in, in uh, Frankenmuth was a good thing. I also learned that the school system was really good. And I wasn't sure what it was about the school system, but everybody talked about it as a a great school system. And, and when people are saying good things, typically there are good things that are happening. So my husband and I, when we had our, our first child, Zachary, we knew that Frankenmuth was where we wanted our children to go to school. And so we purchased some property. When Zachary was six weeks old, uh, we moved to Frankenmuth because we wanted to make sure that we were here in plenty of time for him to uh, go to school. And so uh, we've been here ever since. And two or three years after we moved here, I accepted the position as principal at List Elementary School. And I truly was all in to the community of Frankenmuth. And you stayed very much active in education up until retirement and even after retirement. Uh, it seems like you've been very active in this. Talk to us a little bit about what the executive in residence program is at SVSU. Right. It's kind of a fancy title. And, and what it means is I have had experience in the field and I now am on campus working with individuals who are interested in a career in school administration. It's a wonderful program that uh, has been endowed by the Gerstacker Foundation. And annually, uh, my colleague John Kaczynski and I, we are part of putting together a cohort of 12 individuals from all over the state. And we come together a weekend a month to study school leadership. And then we travel internationally to take a look at school systems in other countries and, of course, the culture of that country. So we have traveled to Chongqing, China. We've been to Tokushima, Japan. We've been to Hyvinka, Finland. And, and most recently, we were in Gunzenhausen, Ansbach and Neuendettelsau, Germany, to study education. So it's a, a, a wonderful experience for the individuals uh, that are involved. They develop a, a close network of uh, colleagues that they can then connect with and count on moving forward. 
And then we start over with a new group of, of we call them Gerstecker Fellows. Wow, that sounds like an extensive program. It is. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful program and, and certainly one that I wish would have been available when when I was first starting. You've been involved with this program. You're still active in the community. And at some point in time, you decided to throw your hat in the ring and run for mayor. Why is that? Well, that was similar to my experience with with former superintendent uh, Mike Murphy. I There were several community members who knew that my role as a superintendent was done. I had moved on. And then the question is, have you ever considered city council? Well, no, I hadn't. But I certainly enjoy being active in our community and think that giving back to the community that's been so good for myself and and my family is something that that I needed to do. I, I ran for city council unopposed and was elected and really enjoyed my time on the on the city council. When you when you ran for mayor mm-hmm. and you and you made it into office, how do you think that your experience in education has prepared you to be mayor of Frankenmuth? Oh gosh, it has prepared me well. And I think not only my experience in education, but just my experience in community. So so if I talk about community first, I had served with the Frankenmuth Historical um, Museum and Foundation for, for many, many years. During that time, I, I met and got to know many residents, older residents, older citizens, and learned how they were all connected to each other. So that was one branch. Rotary was another branch, Special Kids in Action, another branch. And then on top of that, all of the families at, at Frankenmuth School. So 20 years of, of families, young and old, and the relationships that I had with those people uh, really helped me then in my role as city council and then as mayor to, to communicate with them and then help move the city forward. What do you? What would you say is your greatest challenge as mayor? Well, I've only been in the mayor business for uh, a year and a half or so, and so I think that my my one of my bigger challenges has been just figuring it out. You know, what do, what does the mayor do? What are all of the different commissions and committees and authorities, and and what are their roles? How how do I, how do we as a city best communicate with people? You know, back in the day, the only way to communicate was, of course, word of mouth and the, and the Frankenmuth News, which came out weekly. But today, communication looks so different and it's important to be on top of communication because... If we or we as a city or I as as a mayor do not get information out immediately, social media has that information out, and it's important to get factual information out uh, right away. So I would say the the communication piece, figuring that all out, has been difficult. The COVID nineteen crisis has been has been difficult. However, I have to say that there is such a huge silver lining in what I, what we as a city have learned along the way 
about our tenacity and about our our will and way of working together to get things done. While it's been difficult and, and very challenging, in the end, we certainly will have learned from it. And I think it will be very valuable uh, as we move forward as a city. Today's episode is brought to you by the Frankenmuth Convention and Visitors Bureau. German architecture, chicken dinners, and the world's largest Christmas store are just the beginning. Frankenmuth is quickly becoming known for so much more than chicken and Christmas. From trendy dining to timeless horse-drawn carriage rides, kayaking to adventure parks, ballparks, water parks, regular parks, sweet Moses, there's a lot to do in one trip to Frankenmuth. Visit the must-sees of Little Bavaria, then grab your crew and find something new waiting to be discovered. Pack a picnic blanket, order takeout from your favorite place, and let your kids delight in exploring while soaking up the little moments in life. Join the generations of families in our hotels during the 175th anniversary season in 2020. The perfect road trip awaits you. Start planning your unforgettable family vacation at frankenmuth.org. Now, back to the show. I absolutely agree on that account. And it with the, the COVID-19, the corona recession that's happening, why don't you tell us what what is your vision for the city of Frankenmuth? My vision uh, for the city of Frankenmuth is, of course, for it to be bustling again. Sometimes we as residents complain about there being a lot of people here all the time, but it's interesting that when I listen to residents now, we're heartbroken that those people aren't here. And so we can't wait for the, the hustle and the bustle to come back and, and things to get rolling again. My vision includes continuing to move uh, forward, talking about remaining true to our heritage and honoring our heritage, but how can we move forward? And that makes me think about when I was serving on the Frankenmuth Historical Museum Board, one of the people that was serving alongside with me was a guy named Tiny Zender. And at one of my very, very first meetings, Tiny was huddled over with some of the Frankenmuth men and he was talking with them and he and I could hear him talking about Reese. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's talking about where I'm from. So I kind of listened to what he was talking about. And he was telling the gentleman at the table that it was very, very important that we continue to look at change and improve. And he said, and I always tell my buddies from Reese, you have to change. Maybe it's your streetlights. Maybe it's your sidewalks. Maybe it's your streetscape. Maybe it's your businesses but you have to always improve. And I always think about how I overheard that conversation. And many years later, I, I, I can see that. It's important that we continue to take a look at what we're doing and how can we improve and how can we grow. That's my vision. It's interesting to, to hear you say that because when I did an interview with Dorothy Zender, and that would actually be episode number three, what you just described is his total personality about investing in the city, investing in the community, making those changes, making those improvements as you go. So it's interesting to hear you kind of echo those sentiments uh, that he shared. Absolutely. He was a great mentor. 
to so many in our community. If you received a million dollar grant to use in the city of Franken with any way that you wanted to use it, what would you use it for? Hmm. That's a really good question. I'd have to say, first of all, I've learned along the way here that I used to think a million dollars would go far and a million dollars doesn't go very far. So so knowing that and, and thinking about that, I'd have to break that million dollars up into several different pots, I think. I think the the first place that I would dedicate some funds would be for more outdoor recreational opportunities, uh, whether that's bike paths or walking paths or outdoor fitness areas. I, I hear our residents talk about wanting more of those opportunities. And so I would ask our Frankenmuth Parks and Recreation Committee to think about how to spend some of that money. The second place that I would dedicate some money would be towards some kind of venture that would provide meaningful employment opportunities for our special needs population. As our special needs kids graduate from some of the the programs at uh, 26 years old, it's very, very difficult for them to find meaningful uh, work opportunities. And so I would dedicate some money there. And then I think if there were any monies left, just a small amount, I would purchase an electronic sign for in front of City Hall and use that as just another way to communicate with the public in addition to the social media and the newspaper and the word of mouth and all of the other different ways that we communicate today. I love that. And and my brother, he he had special needs. So I really have a soft spot for any kind of investment into, you know, into those people that do have special needs. So thank you. Um, that really hits home. That really hits home. And if people want to connect with you or follow your work online, what is the best way for them to do that? So if someone wants to learn more about the city or, or wants to contact me, my information is located on the City of Frankenmuth website. There is a City of Frankenmuth Facebook page. Uh, I have a, a, Facebook's pay, a Facebook page, excuse me, a mayor's page, and so they can check out the mayor's page. There's an email address that's found on the website, as well as my phone number that is there as well. Excellent. Mayor Ackerman, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it, and I really do appreciate the time that you've spent with us today. Thank you, Cliff. It's been a pleasure. Good luck to you. Hey everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe to our email newsletter. When you subscribe, you'll get new episode announcements, you'll get all kinds of great behind the scenes information on upcoming guests, plus you'll receive special offers from our guests and partners that you can only get through the email newsletter. Subscribing is quick, easy, and best of all, it is free. Just go to callleadership.com email, type in your email address and you're done. Once again, that's calloflearership.com slash email. I'll catch you in the next episode.